0: seven days until the Giants kick off the season against the Cowboys. The Giants stopped <laughs> it in the line. Holy cow. The home of New York Giants football, The Fan, 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Danielle McCartney, Sports Radio, 1019 FM, The Fan,
1: WFAN. Good Sunday, fun day afternoon here, New York sports fans. My name is Danielle McCartan, and today I am what Danielle in the daytime again, the super utility around here on this day two of the Danielle McCartan triple header. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow, we'll be talking all things New York sports We'll be right up till Yankee pregame here in New York City and beyond. Oh, whatever you're doing at the moment, I appreciate you tuning in to the show right now throughout the next couple hours or so, whether that be on your car radio, streaming from WFAN.com, or on our free Odyssey app. And, of course, we're here in the Big Apple. Napoleon Rosenberg and I are coming to you live from the Mike Francesa studio here in Lower Manhattan. 877-337-6666 is the number. Taking your calls right here in this first segment. Get aboard. Happy Labor Day weekend. we got plenty of time to say that to each other. And, of course, if you're on your way home from the Met game, give me a call. City Field was, uh, well, if you were there, uh, part of the couple handful of thousands of people that were there. Uh, the Mets defeated just a few minutes ago the Seattle Mariners with the final score. I believe it was six to three. Pete Alonso, two home runs, four RBI, also a, uh, a solo shot from Jeff McNeil. Trade the guy, right? Yeah, all right. Well, anyway, uh, now that um, I was driving home yesterday and I was like, what can we talk about tomorrow? Now that both the Yankees and the Mets, they have both fully committed to this youth movement going on. And like I said yesterday, I'm driving home, stuck in traffic, of course, and I I started to think about which team, my mind kind of wandered, which team, the Mets or the Yankees is better set up to win next season, like for 2024. And my vote is the New York Mets. And I'll tell you why. Like 1A, well, cash is king, right? And which team has more of it than the New York Mets in the league? None of them. So 1A is Steve Cohen's cash. And his, not just that, but his willingness to spend that cash freely, luxury tax thresholds be damned. And they put, don't forget, an extra one in there for him. Now I know Hal Steinbrenner has historically shown a hesitancy to kind of exceed the luxury tax thresholds okay so obviously where there's big money, there's always the possibility of signing a big name free agent and honestly, uh, you know I don't know listen they think of the the number of bad in ex- you know the, the expensive, the long-term contracts that the, the, the Yankees general manager has doled out. Couple that with the fact that there's also an unwillingness on the part of the Yankees front office to move on from said contracts. Or a stubbornness to move on from players that just are flat out not working out. And the first that came to my mind as I'm thinking about this on the West Side Highway going home first that came to my mind was was Gary Sanchez. The Yankees front office actually fired a manager in Joe Girardi who took a very young, with no expectations, Yankees team to within one game of the World Series against the cheating Astros that year. And how did the front office respond? Oh, well, they fired him, in part because he was too tough on Gary Sanchez. Girardi, a former catcher, a World Series winning catcher, a perfect game catching catcher, was too uh, tough on Gary Sanchez. The same Gary Sanchez that the Yankees front office finally came to grips with that anyone with eyeballs already knew. He was terrible. He sucked. And ultimately, Sanchez and Urshela netted the Yankees, the utility man, IKF, and the albatross contract of an over-the-hill Josh Donaldson. So whereas the Mets you know, throw money at things in a smart way, they spend it freely. I mean, there's and, – and they're not stubborn to come out from underneath it. The Yankees, it's, it's, it's kind of the opposite. Although, Hal, you know, has the second-highest payroll in all baseball. It just goes to show you that it's not being spent properly. Because 1-B one, one here, and we're talking about which team is more be, – more better. <laughs> that Which team is better set up to win in 2024. When you speak of Albatross contracts, and I think it's the Mets – Related to the money spent and the money absorbed, the Mets and the Yankees are operating with two different philosophies on how to handle those. Steve Cohen's Mets were quick to pivot out from underneath Verlander and Scherzer. Cohen paid $45 million for a 40-year-old Robinson Cano to just disappear. And within the constraints of the Cohen ownership time frame, just look at that on you know the Yankee side, The Yankees held on too long to Josh Donaldson, and it cost them less, though, by the way, because they did that. It only cost them $9.8 million to make him disappear. And another reason why I think Aaron Hicks took so long to disappear, too, was that he, too, was costly. Even though they still ate almost $28 million of his contract, which is a lot, but nowhere near Scherzer, Verlander, and Cano money whatsoever. And on top of it all, the Mets... This is probably the most important thing. The Mets are not afraid to fire some guys in their front office. They just fired high-ranking officials, analysts, analysts, whatever, a director of performance, two directors of pro player evaluation, and a director of player development. So what the Yankees do is they keep the same guys in there with their pocket protectors, and they just add to them. Cashman is still in charge, and you thought bringing in Omar Minaya and Brian Sabian this offseason was going to make a difference. Uh, Spoiler alert. It didn't. So then, you know, it's like, what about letting people go? Because the players they're choosing to bring in, this Yankee front office, they are not working out. Hicks, Bader, Donaldson, Rodon, Montas, Stanton even. It's like— I was like thinking about how I can liken this to something. It's like you know you've written a really bad, a real crappy, you know what, term paper. But it's the night before it's due. And you know you should rip it all up and just start all over fresh. But you're like, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to keep you're just stubborn. I'm just going to keep adding to it. I'm going to make it better by just adding to it. That's what I feel like the Yankees are doing in their front office. Whereas the Mets are like, rip it up. Let's start over. Yankees are like, let me just try to patchwork this and we'll make it work. And number two, why I think the Mets are better set up for 2024 to win in 2024. I'm not saying they're going to, and I'm not saying the Yankees are going to, but I think the Mets structurally are better set up because when you've got a team that was just last year, they won 101 games. They are, in short, returning many of those players. The Mets have a great nucleus of veterans many of of whom are homegrown, that they've got signed long-term. I point to Brandon Nimmo. I point to Jeff McNeil, both homegrown guys. I point to Francisco Lindor. All three of those guys are in the primes of their careers. And I'm not counting Alonzo in that group at this moment because he is not signed long-term. But make no mistake about it, he will be back with the Mets in 2024. Well, maybe the Mets could make a mistake about it because trading him would be a gigantic mistake. It would set the franchise back. I don't even want to be dramatic here. I wrote a decade in my notes. I don't know about a decade, but it's going to set them back far. And obviously, Alonso is in the prime of his career. So maybe you say four projected 2024 everyday starters will be back. And that's not even counting the stud offensive workhorse catcher That is Francisco Alvarez, who will already have had a year of Major League playing time under his belt. A a, a kid who should be hitting right behind Pete Alonso, and I cannot figure out why the manager hasn't made that move yet. So, really, it's what? Five guys? Five starters? Like, surefire starters are returning? Position players, that is? What do the Yankees have? Yankees have Judge. And let's include Cole. Yan- Yankees have Judge and Cole in their primes. Cole might not even be around much longer because he's got a player opt out after next season, after the 2024 season. He could opt out. Okay, that's their nucleus, Judge and Cole. Stanton, forget about it. And okay, Glaber Torres. I know Glaber Torres is having a great year. But every time trade discussions open, he's always among the first to be mentioned in them. And yes, I know, you know, homegrown kid, all that. He's having a great season. I get it. If you want to include him in that nucleus, fine. Judge Torres as position players. We didn't even talk about Matt's pitchers. And then let's add in Cole. And if you want, if you're, and I actually had in my notes, I was like, you know what, DJ LeMayu. Yeah, he's, he's part of the good, you know, good core. Well, I wanted to include him. I did. I like him. Next season is going to be his 14th major league season. And during it, he's the same age as me. He's going to be turning 36 during next season. Hardly the prime of his career. And I'm really reaching here. And and we can open it up to the bullpen arms. And, and I, I, I get all that. Sure. Fine. I'd rather not because we didn't go there for the Mets, but If you, when you look at core players coming back and returning and in the primes of their career, ready to make an absolute impact on, on the team, I think the advantage swings to the Mets. So the Mets have a, a, the, the flow. they have a a willingness to spend it freely. And then when it doesn't work out, they pivot, they fire people in the front office that, that are not working out you know they absorb contracts that aren't working out and move on from them and it's everything the yankees are, are not really doing and 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 maybe besides the fact of spending money but the, the the spending of the money it's not being spent wisely it's not and and maybe the yankees should take a good hard look at their front office and copy the mets model maybe and the only edge that i would give the yankees the only one is that their farm system is filled with players that can make a real impact on the 2024 next season after an off-season of development, and a taste of being in the bigs this month. I mean, think about it. Friday night, Saturday night, and we can even look at tonight's lineup. They've got one, two, three, four, five guys. Again, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, five prospects in their lineup. I mean, and they've beat a team in contention for a postseason spot in the Astros. I mean, that, that is advantage Yankees. And the Mets, after everything they've been through this season, have not yet fully committed to the youth movement, believe it or not. I point to, yeah, Daniel Vogelbach.
0: When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. A perfect
2: game for David Cohn. The third time works like a charm. It is the third perfect game in Yankee Stadium history. Don Larson in 56, David Wells in 98, David Cohn in 99, 27 up, 27 down. David Cohn has attained
0: baseball immortality. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app.
1: back, this is WFAN, I am Danielle McCartan, with you till 6.30, uh, sandwiched between our Rutgers football coverage and our New York Yankees coverage, squeezed in the middle, that's me. So hello to you, by the way, especially to you that is tuned in while you're tailgating at MetLife Stadium parking lot for the Bruce Springsteen concert, yeah, uh, I know my friends are there, and hey to you guys, I'll be there soon, and hey to my parents, who are, uh, Already at a restaurant nearby, and I'll, I'll see you soon, too. So, uh, as I mentioned briefly yesterday, my very first Bruce Springsteen concert is tonight. And based on your feedback on the phones yesterday and on social media after I left the studio, at Coach, M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, <laughs> um, apparently I'm in for a hell of a night. And I hope it wasn't hyped up too, too much. Uh, but the good news, I'll be back with you tomorrow from 2 p.m. to 7 p.m to let you know how it was, and if I liked Springsteen better than Bon Jovi. Or maybe, maybe that's a, just a, a Jersey thing, I don't know. But uh, if you're going to be there tonight, make sure you say, hey, I'm going to be flying out of here later at 6.30. I'm out the door at 6.30 tonight. All right, 877-337-6666, checking in on the the, the poll I put up. For the 2024 season, which team is better set up or slash in a better situation to have more success? You can vote if you want at Coach and on Twitter. Is it the Yankees or is it the Mets? Right now, the Mets have the majority seventy percent or sixty eight point two. Let's be precise. Sixty eight point two percent of voters say that it is the Mets that are in a, you know a better chance to succeed. Next year. And uh, Joey Russo on Twitter says, uh, Hey, uh, if the Mets tighten up the bullpen and get a quality starter, I would say to Mets, if they don't, then it's a crapshoot. The Yankees have no depth and are intent to run the team like a mutual fund rather than a baseball team. Hmm. Interesting take there, Joey. Uh, I I think Blake Snell should be right firmly in the crosshairs of um, both teams, honestly, uh, but uh, in particular, the Mets. Because they've shown the propensity to spe- to, to spend the money, and he, whereas the Yankees have not. All right, leading us off the first caller of the day, the leadoff caller. We go out to Bayhead, Jim. It's you.
2: Hey Danielle, how you doing? Great. How are you? <clears throat> I just uh, good. Thanks. Uh, happy Labor Day. I just wanted to um, to kind of like voice an opinion on the comparison between Yankees and Mets brass. I mean historically just look over the past 20 years well well, the Yankees obviously have had well just hear me out just hear me out they've had a lot more success than the Mets I I know under Steve Cohen and I have a really funny anecdote um, to tell you about him and his firms and management style because I did a lot of business with him over the years Uh but yeah he's he's significantly more cutthroat right very very quick to cut bait you know get rid of underperforming people Uh but and I think the Yankees I think the Yankees could benefit from a complete cleaning of the house, but I don't think they're going to do it because, right, the, what they have in place is selling tickets, it's generating revenue. Right. Everyone's in their comfort zone. And until they shake things up, I think we're just going to see more of the same. But really, really quick, I just want to squeeze in a funny anecdote. So over the years, I did several billion dollars of business with Steve Cohen's firm, SAC Capital, and just to kind of give you a sense of his management style, mm-hmm. He would make the institutional traders on the desk, the guys, take female hormones because he felt that the female mind was a better trader than a male. You could actually look it up and read. It's a true story, but I'd like to hear your opinion on those things.
1: I would definitely like to look that up. Steve Cohen, female hormones. He hung up. I didn't. Boss urged me to take female hormones, says Trader. This is from The Guardian. Oh, I don't know, man. I have no idea about that. But let's talk about the baseball. I think that's – unfortunately, I think that's an unfair comparison. The, the call started off with over the past 20 years. Well, I'm not comparing over the past 20 years. I'm comparing the Steve Cohen era. as Taylor Swift's summer, right? It's the Steve Cohen era to the Yankee team during that Steve Cohen era. So I, I don't know what that's all about. But uh, anybody can read an article and regurgitate it, I guess. I'm not sure, but um, – I, I do agree with the cutthroatness of Steve Cohen, and I think Hal Steinbrenner needs to be more cutthroat. and And that caller just brought up a, a good point there, which uh, well, I, I made me think. All right, well then, I, my question was, in a better situation to have more success. Well, how do you define success? I know I define success by winning. Winning equals success to me. Whereas, well, hey, the Yankees are selling out almost every game. They've got these lucrative TV deals. They got these jersey patches on their. Well, maybe that's successful. Maybe that's success, right? To win, that is success to me. We go out to Josh in the Bronx. What's up, Josh? I'm telling
3: you, Daniel, you put everything so perfectly. But, you know, now finally, everybody's been pushing the Yankees and the Mets, bring up the young kids, let them play. Now it's it's September. Now we're finally getting to see who we want to see. Mauricio's uh, up. Beatty's back. The Mets... They're in a perfect position. I just want to see how the winter plays out going into next year and see how Stevie Cohn runs this. You can forget about how on the Yankees. They're going to be same old, same old. It's going to be interesting. Thank you for taking my call to see how Mr. Cohn runs this yeah, the I, rest of the way. Josh, I,
1: I totally agree with you. It, it's dynamic. The, the, the leadership style is dynamic. The front office style is dynamic. Whereas the Yankees, it has not been. It has been stagnant. Like I said before, it's like you know you've got a crappy uh, term paper. It's the night before, and instead of crumpling it up and starting all over again, the Yankees uh, you just keep adding to it, and that's what the Yankees are doing. They have a crappy core in their in their analytic office, and so instead of tearing it down, they're just trying to add to it. Oh, Omar Minaya, add to it. Brian Sabian, add to it, and it hasn't worked. It's time to tear it down. I, I was very refreshed to hear that Hal Steinbrenner was going to take a good hard look at it. And as I made the point yesterday, well, maybe the point of him bringing in this outside company, this independent investigative company is to say like, hey, how we did an investigation here, uh, you know, five, 15, whatever, how many bullet points of things that you need to consider and to take or you know, prioritize, take action now, consider, don't take action on. Maybe prioritize it that way, green, yellow and red. And maybe that's the, the, the impetus that he needs to make a change. Cause I don't know if he's capable. He seems like a very pleasant, nice guy. I don't know if he has the the chutzpah to make a, to make a, a, a decision. And so maybe he can hide behind that independent investigation, and say like, "Hey, look, here's what they found. I'm sorry, but here's what they found. Unfortunately, you know, maybe that, maybe that's the out. Maybe that's the strategy. I don't know. Gotta try something different, right?" We got go out to uh, Massapequa now. John is up on the fan. What's up, John?
3: Hey, Danielle. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? All right. Uh, full disclosure, I'm a big Mets fan, but I have a comment on the Yankees. Do you think that the rule changes in baseball? Do, I mean, Hal's been good for how many years? does it, uh, I'm sorry, not Hal. Cashman. Um, Cashman. Cashman. Don't you think he deserves the benefit of the doubt this year? I mean, he's been to ALCSs over and over. I know the last one that they won was in 2009, but sports have changed. you got these AAU teams in basketball, these travel teams in baseball. The gap from top to bottom has really shrunk. It's going to be more of a crapshoot as the years go on. And the rule changes, I think, caught the Yankees off guard a little bit. You've got to be more athletic. you got to steal bases. You've got to put the ball in play this year. And I think the Yankees got caught off guard. And I think that you've got to give Hal the benefit of the doubt and let him try and make a little bit of a pivot to so what the future of baseball the, I'll, I'll is going to ca- be. I'll
1: counter with the rules changes. Everybody was in the same. Everybody was in. Every team was informed at the same time about the rules changes. It didn't sneak up on 100%. anybody.
3: So, 100%, I 100% agree with you. But Hal's been good for three decades. He, you got to give him the chance to make it. He might have been Well, a H- good Hal, high
1: Hal high wasn't high. running He's the show. Hal has not been running the show. Not Hal. I mean, I mean Cashman. Cashman. I mean Cashman. Okay. sorry. So, but here's the thing. Why couldn't the Yankees pivot and become faster and younger and all that? Because they've been they, handcuffed. They no, but they've been handcuffed no, they by these long-term ridiculous deals. Stanton, why did why did Cashman go out and get Rodón this offseason? Question marks all around that decision. Why did he go out and get Frankie Montas? Question marks even before I don't like I don't understand these decisions that he is making.
3: Agreed, Agreed. but I think he he has the most pressure of any GM. He feels like He has to make, you know, the quick fix to to change. It's going to be a little bit of a rebuild. I know that the the Yankees are who they are. They don't want to go through that. But But how do they
1: do do that? How how do they do a rebuild when they're locked Uh into these long-term deals for this uh, big money?
4: Agreed. Agreed. I I don't know. But whose fault is that? That's Cashman's fault.
1: Right. And and thanks for calling there, John. That's Cashman's fault for handcuffing them to that to begin with. Now, Hal's got to eat some money. Well, Hal ate $28 million of a bad Aaron Hicks contract. At what point does Hal look at this in the mirror and say, listen, I can't keep giving out this money and then severing these players and then giving them more money to do that? Why can't I have a capable general manager who's going to spend my money wisely? We're the New York freaking Yankees. Instead, you got five more years and a 100, well, it was a six-year, $162 million deal for Carlos Rodon. What? Who in their right minds is giving that man, who is always injured, I tried my best to warn everybody against him. How do you justify giving him that much money for that long? For example, he's garnering 8.2% of the payroll this year. I did not want Giancarlo Stanton on this this, uh, Yankees team at the time uh, that they acquired him. I'm on the record saying it. Why? Because they already had a player like that in Aaron Judge, and now they are handcuffed for the next couple of years. To he, he's he's going to be a twenty. Uh, no, let me. I'm oh, sorry. The the payroll salary for next year, he's going to be making thirty two million dollars to be a designated hitter next year. Thirty two million dollars the year after that. Twenty nine million the year after that. Twenty five million the year after that. I mean, he is clogging up a roster spot at this point. But to sever ties with him, you're really going to eat that much money. So the Yankees are handcuffed by these long-term deals to the wrong to wrong players. And who put them in that situation? Of course, Brian Cashman did. 877-337-6666. We go out to Camden, New Jersey. What's up, Kevin? How are you, Coach? How are you? Good, good, good.
5: I want to talk about the Mets because um, I'll tell you, Pete Alonzo, there's a reason. This kid can hit. This is all he did today: Two home runs, and yep. he's. He's, I mean, how, you, how do you replace that? You can't replace him. You cannot. He's he no, irreplaceable. No, he, he just down by himself. As they said in the block, as he and Borgo, so the Mets. So there you go. That's that right. And it's all, all the debates about Alonzo and whatever, but whatever. Yep. But Vogelback, is nobody going to mention what you did last night, in the ninth inning? I Oh, mean, it, I, I was going to come back it, with that. Yes. Because he gets a single, and all of a sudden, he thinks he's a Ricky Henderson trying to steal. Stuff. And I'm like, don't run, because everybody who knows, knows the guy can't run. Yep. And he runs, and you know he's going to be out. Yep. And, and, you know, there's all the, oh, go back to be cut next year. Well, I got some bad news, because i tell you what, he has another arbitration year left on his deal. And and you could always, if Sturridge comes in, then, you know, he might get rid of him. Bad news, because he was in
1: Milwaukee with David experience. So, uh, so, Yeah, he's got one more year of arbitration. You're right. Oh, and, no. And he, and he was with uh, Stearns in Milwaukee. So oh, I, no. he, he, even if Stearns comes
5: in here, I hate to say it, but I think Vogel back's back another year. But I'm just, <laughs> I'm at the point of, of, of Vogel like, seriously. I, I'm just, what is the I, love affair? The, the ninth inning, that, <laughs> that killed me. I, I, I'm watching. And I'm like, you got to be, especially he should know. I can't run. <laughs> so why are you going for second? And, 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 and then right after that, Stewart gets a hit. And you're like, first like and second, okay, they got a chance to win the game. But no, no, no. Ah, just, that aggravated me to no end. I'm just, and, and at least at least Mauricio moved up a, a little bit in the order. But, I mean, you know, just put somebody else in DH. I said that yesterday, I'll say it again. Put somebody else in DH, I don't care who it is, with we'll Vogue back got to go. I don't care what you got to do to eat the contract, whatever.
1: Just get him out. Yeah. Get him out. Yep. And Kevin. I'm, I'm just at that point. Yes, I know. And in and thanks for the call there. In the in the age of the youth movement, square in the middle of that lineup, sharp in is Daniel Vogelbach's name. <laughs> Did you hear? There was a case of mistaken identity with a New York Mets player. Oh yeah. I'm Daniel McCartney. I'll be right back to explain. Don't touch that dial. Don't do it.
0: Fan 1019FM and always live on the Free Odyssey app.
1: Welcome back to the Fan. My name is Danielle McCartan. with you till 6:30 on this a little bit short show here on this Sunday fun day. I, like I said, I'm I'm running out of here later at 6:30 to be on my way to the Bruce Springsteen concert. Hope to see you there. And um, I, I teased it before the break. Here, there has been a case of uh, of stolen identity on the New York Mets. Yeah, there has been, and um, in the in the ninth inning last night, in particular, Daniel Vogelback thought he was Ricky Henderson rounding those bases. The situation was this: bottom of the ninth, Mets were down one run, with no outs. Daniel Vogelback ran into a pitch for once. Actually, on the Mariner's call of the game, the broadcaster actually said, and I quote, Vogie of all people, gaps one to left center. They said that. They really he said that he did. Of all people. That's a direct quote. So Vogelback starts lumbering down towards first base. And he continued on to second base. T- I'm looking at the TV last night. I'm standing in front of it. I was brushing my teeth. I'm like, what is he thinking? I really yelled at the TV. Like, what is he thinking? I know what he was thinking. Daniel F. Vogelback thought he was Ricky Henderson last night in the ninth inning. Daniel Vogelback forgot who he was and he tried to play hero ball. It's an awful move and it's an absolute embarrassment. The Mets would have had two runners on and no outs. Instead, that. And I've got two problems with this. Number one, in which world was Daniel Vogelback Henderson thinking he was going to be safe on that? He should have retreated immediately after that he failed to cut the corner of the base properly. You could see it in the screenshot. I posted it on on Twitter. Uh, I'm trying to get it on Instagram, but it's a little bit difficult to do that. I'm not really sure why Instagram is being so difficult. But you could see that he didn't cut the corner of the base properly. And, I, and I'm not, I mean, if I know I didn't cut her base properly, I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to chance it. I'm going to go back. And I'm faster than Daniel Vogelback. How about we put it that way? That should have been the end of it. But nope, he took that wide-ass turn, lumbered down to second base, and slid. And let me tell you, that head first slide was a belly flop, and he was tagged out by an entire mile. And number two, people talk about Pete Alonso being a problem. What a selfish play by Daniel Vogelback in that situation. You take the single, you let your manager pinch run for you. Wouldn't be the first time. And in fact, the Mets had available on their bench, who came in a batter later, Tim Locastro, one of the fastest men in the entire league. And that is no exaggeration. Tim Locastro's average sprint speed... 20 miles an hour average. What a selfish play by Daniel Vogelback with the game on the line. And they say, Pete's the problem. And listen, I know I'm getting worked up over uh, over a game that uh, um, <laughs> doesn't mean anything in, in the grand scheme of things, but this is what we have to work with. I, I really don't want to be projecting into the winter and all that. The games are still on, so let's take something from each game to talk about. And that was an abomination. So what I did was I took a screenshot of Wayne Kirby, who was the Mets' first base coach, and I'll post it to my social media channels when I get a a second to do it. It's already up on Twitter. I'll do it to Instagram and Facebook in a second. But I want to know, was Kirby yelling, no, or was he yelling, go? Because I can't tell. I think, (laughs) judging by the way his eyeballs are bulging out of his head, I'm thinking he's yelling, no. And did you know Vogelback is right now, uh, did he hit today? He's probably, what do you have, about three or four at-bats today? So he's probably at like 307 plate appearances at this point. When he hits 350, he triggers a $25,000 bonus. Maybe that's why he's always in the lineup. didn't into a five spot today and every day. Oh, and by the way, what the manager had to say about it, yeah, this made me laugh out loud. Hey, Paulie, with show him what Buck Walter said.
4: Buck, how do you view that play in the ninth? Obviously, you want your guys to be aggressive, but Vogel back getting the base hit and trying to get the second there with, with nobody out. How do you look at that? Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that uh, it's like a you know long jump shot. You know, If you make it, it's this, and if you don't, it's these questions.
1: Yeah, uh, and that, by the way, courtesy of SNY, the voice of Steve Gelbs and, uh, and, and Buck Showalter, of course, That made me laugh because I personally know that I am no Steph Curry. So I'm not going to attempt to take a long jump shot in a pivotal situation. So to tie it all together, Daniel Vogelbeck needs to know he's not Ricky Henderson. And he can't do that in a pivotal situation. In the same way, I'm not going to take a long jump shot because my name isn't Steph Curry. Or any of the other sharpshooters in the NBA. 877-337-6666. Yeah, and and, and Pete Alonzo's the problem. He's the selfish one. Come on. Come on. That was a selfish play by Daniel Voegelback. Who did he think he was? 877-337-6666. We go back out to the phones at Matt in Bayside. What's up there, Matt?
4: Hey, how you doing? Uh I just I I honestly agree with you on the uh uh Pete Alonso thing. I mean, look, I, so I watch a podcast, uh, it's a comedian, Chris DiStefano. Mm
1: -hmm. Oh, I Uh, know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. He, he got a chance to talk to Pete Alonzo like personally. Okay. Um, you know, just based off that conversation, I mean, Pete Alonzo is doing his job. All right. Yes. First and foremost. And this is coming from a Yankee fan who, listen, I don't even want (laughs) to, we're going to talk about that, but, uh, you know, Pete Alonzo is not the problem. No. Uh, Never has I, I, been. Never will no, be. Never will be. He's the home run hitter. You know, obviously, you got Lindor on, on there as well. I, I mean, the Mets have a good team. They just need some restructure, and, uh, you know, that's something I agree with. Yes. Uh, you know, Pete Alondo is, is Pete Alondo. You know, he's going to hit homers. He's going to get RBIs. He's going to help the team win at the end of the day, yes, right? Yes, yes. He had four uh, so,
1: RBI today and two home runs, and then they won. Yeah, no, go, go! I mean, go bigger.
4: Honestly, I didn't even know that he had four RBI, and that's that's incredible. That's insane. You and, know, he, he's a great player, and he's got a great person. And I think, you know, coming from a Yankee fan, you know, there has to be something in in, in the house of uh, of the relationship between people on the rest of the team. You know, like. Peter Lodge was there to do his job, and you know what? He does his job better than half the players on the team. Yes, you know from from begin with. Let let's talk about that. And um, you know, going going to the Yankees, and you know, I mean, I've been I've been a Yankee fan. My 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 father's side of the family is a Yankee fan. My mother's side is a Mets fan. So I have a soft spot. For the Mets, sure. You know, I, you're
1: allowed. If it's we're okay. playing
4: each other, you don't have to explain it. It's allowed. You're okay. Yeah, look, look. If we're playing each other, I, you know, may the best team win, right? Right. You know, I. It, it is what it is. But the Yankees, I don't know what the hell's going on with the Yankees, right? So let's talk about the pitching. So you got Severino that plays half of the season, plays like garbage, pure garbage. And then all of a sudden, you want to have better games towards the end of the season versus the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. The pitching is a problem. We can hit the ball, right? And we have, we've had so many games where we've struggled on hits. Struggled on hits. You know, I I mean, mean
1: struggled is a is a nice way of putting it. I mean there were games that, that that the Yankees got they made the Yankees lineup made opposing pitchers at times this season look like Nolan Ryan or Tom Glavin. And and, and honestly, they were guys that had like ERAs in like the sevens. So I I I'm gonna push back a little bit. The offense is hot and cold and a problem. It's not consistent enough to, to win.
4: I, I agree. I agree. And you know what? Like they're turning on the Jets too late. You know, you got Tampa Bay yeah. that went, I don't know how many games they won straight in a row. You know, it's too late. It's too late. You got you got these young players coming in, 20 years old, older mm-hmm. than me. Yeah. Hitting better than players that have been on the Yankees for X amount of time. You know, DJ LeMayu, he's taking up heat too late. It's too late. Yep. You know? That's right. And, um, go ahead.
1: No, no, I, and that's right there, Matt. And, and, and unfortunately for the Yankees, it's too late. I mean, they've won, what, one, two, three, four, five out of their last six. The Yankees have won five out of their last six. They're playing for a sweep against the Houston Astros tonight in, in like an hour and a half. They're playing for a sweep against the Houston Astros in an hour and a half. It has been too late. Little too late, and if you look at the playoff situation right now, the Houston Astros right now would would make the postseason as a wild card team. And I, I don't know what's going on. I mean, maybe it's guys that have come in now that are hungry, want want to make an impression. And I mean, did you see the effect on Aaron Judge even last night of this? You know, everybody was talking about it in the post game, like the 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 environment is different. It's it's more. I don't want to say more fun, but it's definitely more, it's different. And we know what it was before. So you can only surmise that is it's more fun, it's more exciting and all that. Aaron Judge, did you see him? He, I haven't seen him. And I know that the, I was watching it on TV. So I think it was Kay and uh, Cone last night. They were talking about, and Cone said it, I believe it was, that he hasn't seen Aaron Judge run like that since the toe injury. And I was thinking it. Aaron Judge, when he was trucking from second base to third base, oh, I mean, wow. I, I don't know if I've ever seen him run that fast. And then he scores. on a, it; He didn't even have to slide. So the injection of youth onto this team is a good thing for this team. Now what the Yankees have to do is kind of zoom out, let the kids play, which I'm glad that they are. They started five prospects. And that's not counting like Volpe. Like they're starting five prospects. Friday night? Saturday night, Sunday night. In the three games since the call-ups, they have started five prospects in that lineup. That's what you want to see, not what the Mets are doing. Rotating them in and out and sticking them at the bottom of the order. What are they doing? You're new here? You bat ninth. You're the second newest here? You bat eighth. Like, that is so archaic. I'm tired of saying it. So in that sense, the Yankees are better suited. If they can just zoom out a little bit and take a look and say, okay, This piece is going to help us moving forward. This piece is not. It it could help another team moving forward and therefore helping us in an exchange, in a trade. The Yankees can do that. Mets haven't really yet. They haven't committed all the way to it yet. Being honest, Yankees have. And if they can do that and and, and figure out who's going to help them moving forward and who won't be, they're going to be in a good spot. They are, and by the way, I, I made a preseason bet on Pete Alonso to lead the league, lead the league, not just the NL, lead the league, in RBI. Well, I just took a look. He's second. He has the second most RBI in the league, only behind Matt Olson, and the I, the only way they're gonna he's gonna catch Matt Olson, I, I believe, because he's he's back twelve. Olsen has 112, Alonso has 100. The only way he's gonna catch Olsen is if the Braves sit him at the end of the season. Please do it! 877 337
0: 6666
1: My name is Daniel McCartan, with you till 630
0: on the fifth. 1019FM, always live on the CFO. Welcome back to the fan. My name is Daniel McCartan, hanging with you till 630. 625, but counting
1: those extra five. Um, yeah, we're just talking about Daniel Vogelback and how that that the terrible terrible decision to, to round first base was completely selfish. Who did he think he was? Ricky Henderson reincarnated? I don't really know, but there was no chance. It was it was it was awful from the beginning. I actually took a screen grab of, of Wayne Kirby and his mouth is open in an O shape, so is he yelling no or is he yelling go? Uh, I put a link to that picture in my Instagram story, at Coach MCCARTAN, and 75% of voters have said, no, he is yelling, no. And I agree, because if you look at the popping out of his eyeballs, it also looks like no to me, too. Let's go to Scott and Huntington Station. What's up there, Scott?
0: Hey, how you doing, Danielle? Uh, first time, long time. Oh, I love that. Uh, thank you. I, I, I love hearing your perspective, especially the women on, you know, there's very few. There's only two of us. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you know, Maggie, uh, she's not well, here Mag- anymore. Yeah, at the Maggie's, other station, at, yeah Maggie's
1: at the CBS Sports Network. Yeah, that was just a camera fan. Yeah, no, I Me know, and Lori. But Lori and Listen,
0: I. Yeah, th- th- Daniel Vogelbeck has gotten a bad rap ever since we traded for him two years ago, right? He was a fan favorite right away. And all of a sudden, it's like, well, what do we do? He's not the problem on the team. And, you know, the whole team in general is the problem. It just wasn't manufactured right. So for him to keep getting beaten down, and I know what he's saying, he wasn't doing for 350 at bats or whatever. He was trying, as, as a lot of the guys are still trying to, you know, play for next season or, you know, maybe get another Scott, contract. Scott. He, I mean, he can't. He's not. Listen, I know he's huge. He's a huge dude. I'm not but talking. I'm not even talking vulnerable. about his weight. <laughs> I am not.
1: I'm not talking about his weight. But Scott, I'm a coach. If you make an aggressive mistake, I'm 99% aboard with it. This was the 1% where I, he's got to know. He's got to
0: know they made oh, a well, great. He, he he ripped the ball to the wall. No. That's a double for anyone else. Yeah, I know well, not for him. Anyone else? He's got a double for anyone else. He was trying. To, the game is tied in the ninth inning. He's got He's got to try that.
1: The first base he, coach looks like he's, he's doing. He's
0: not doing it for himself. He's doing it for the team. I don't he's, think so. Everyone loves him in the clubhouse. He wasn't doing it for himself. I, I that's know all, I just, That's all I really wanted to say. How I mean, how do you know everybody loves him in the clubhouse? Down ever since he got Scott, here,
1: Scott. Have you ever been in the clubhouse? How do you know everybody loves him?
0: Well, you're right. No, I haven't. I, you know,
1: because I I, I've been, and the only person I've ever seen him interact with was Pete Alonso. That's it. That's the only person I've ever seen him talk to.
0: Uh, all
1: right. Well, so I don't know. What's... I'm not starting anything. <laughs> I'm not trying to say he's not, but this, for my own eyeballs, that's what I've
0: observed. I mean. No, as, as far as a baseball player, obviously you're right. But I'm just trying to say that, you know, he's gotten beaten down ever since. You know, he's still a major league player that picked up his option for a mil five. Obviously we want better. But what, 15 Come on. home the, runs, Scott, 44, 44 Scott, RBIs? The
1: guy is a base clogger. You got you got Nimmo behind him, Lindor behind him, something like that. He clogs up the bases. Clogs up the bases for these young guys. He's batting fifth. Okay, and I understand he's not the problem of this entire team. I get it. I, understand, I completely understand that. But that was a selfish play. There was no chance he was going to make that. It wasn't like the ball was rolling up against the wall. He smoked it to left side. So that means the ball even got to the outfield even faster. Right? Right. If he smoked it, which he did, I saw it. I was watching it. Didn't roll against the, the ground. He took a good good bounce right to the field, right to the left fielder. He chucked it in. One hop to the shortstop. He was dead. He was dead as soon as he turned the corner. In an awful way, by the way. He didn't he didn't cut the corner. You could see it in the photo. At that point, you got to realize as a Major League Baseball player, I'm not going to make it. I got to pack this in. All right, we got a quick break. We got a Pete McCarthy update. My name is Anna McCartan on the fan.